You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat postgame podcast, presented by Caddyshack Golf, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Tim Fitzgerald from the WTC Gig Pirate Studios here in downtown Manhattan. And, of course, our football analyst, Brian Hanley, from places in Texas not named Lubbock, is with us again. (laughs) How far are you from Lubbock? Frisco to Lubbock takes how long? Do you have any clue? Yeah, it's like a a five-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah, that that was too far for me to drive and flying into Lubbock. uh, You know, I was like, no, I'll catch this one on TV. Yeah, our boys did the drive, too, because flights to Lubbock cost. They cost a lot of money, and you just want to make sure you get there. and, And they got there, and lo and behold, they saw a Kansas State victory. A nice win on the road. Anytime you go in this conference and steal a road win, it is notable. 30-27. to 27. I'd like to apologize to our subscribers at GoPowerCat.com. My prediction was 31-27, and I really I screwed up. I didn't quite get it. Uh, and you can always tell when I'm not quite sure K-State will win because I picked the score 31-27. Almost every time I'm like, am I going to do it again? Really? And this time it actually turned out to be pretty Pretty darn accurate is it was six to three at halftime, Brian, and, and I'm like, this is not how I thought the game would go at all. A field goal contest, but they were playing pretty good defense, just not good enough offense for the Wildcats in that first half. Yeah, K State came out defensively, played very well. Uh, offense, they were moving the ball, but it was our Achilles' heel, just. Bad pre-snap penalties, and it just wasn't very clean. We get in the red zone, and we were settling for field goals. It was like we bogged down. So uh, I noticed, guys, we were. It was better. It was a, definitely a better effort, especially in the first half, or I should say, especially the first half. But we were talking about the first half. It was a better effort, but we just we were shooting ourselves in the foot. And it just it, it made it to be a low-scoring game. It looked like we couldn't do anything. And, and we didn't do a ton, but we were doing more than what the score indicated. We just shot ourselves in the foot. 
Yeah, it was not pretty. And I just realized the Texas Tech postgame stats, for whatever reason, do not include team stats. I'll have to look those up on the Internet here in a little bit. There were a lot of penalties. And once again, it wasn't really the number of penalties. It's when the penalties came. How That's they right. came. There was a couple false starts, I believe, down in the red zone or close to it. There was yep. the incredible return by Joshua Youngblood for a touchdown. And then he gets a penalty. My guys on the ground said it wasn't much of a penalty, but it still was called. So you kick off from the 50, and they go right down and, and get the touchdown right back. So Kansas yep. State just kept kind of creeping the door open. Uh, but when they needed to close it in the second half, a running game that was, once again, mostly inept in this game, showed some signs of life. Uh, and it's almost like they got a sense of urgency in the run game, and they took care of business. Skylar Thompson finally found some running room and picked up a first down, and then James Gilbert uh, made use of a great block by Skylar Thompson uh, to spring free for for the final uh, first down of the game. And, man, K-State gets out of there. The Wildcats are 7-4. and four. They moved up probably a step in the bowl pecking order. We'll try to touch on that, but it's really a scrambled mess. And uh, Texas Tech's now completely out of bowl contention. As they drop to 4-7, and seven, they were clinging to the hope of maybe having a 5-6 and six record going into Texas next weekend. That won't happen. Um, and uh, Texas might be thankful because the Longhorns are 6-5 and five and, and barely Ooh. over the hump themselves as they've kind of come unraveled since that win over K-State. So this is this is a wacky conference, and I think it's time to admit something here. The Big 12 just ain't very good, my friend. It's just not very good. We no. saw Oklahoma struggle with TCU in Norman tonight. Yeah, the Big 12 is not as good as, as what we thought it was going to be, and what it started out looked great. And it's just not that good. OU, I mean, there's no way that OU is going to make the playoff. There's absolutely no chance that that is going to happen. Uh, I don't care who loses. They're, they're not going to put them in. Um, so we're going to be on the outside looking in. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. K-State won. That's what I really care about most. So we put ourselves in a position, like you said, to go to a better bowl game. Um, better effort overall. You know, it was a much better effort. Guys came out, um, played with a sense of urgency, things that we didn't we didn't do at all last week. So it was good to see those guys come out, uh, see the guys come out and just play hard because uh, that was what lacked last week. So I'm sure the coaching staff, testament to them, I'm sure they got after them because they watched film. They knew what happened, and I'm sure they got after them. K-State came out, played a lot harder, uh, got a hard-fought win. Wasn't a perfect game, wasn't a clean game by any stretch. A lot of mistakes, but you know what? Hey, we're, we're a program that's building. We got to remember that. We got to get back to that. We're a program that is building, changing cultures, uh, and building for something to be to get to where we want to get to. That we're just in the infancy stages of this thing, and you know what? We're, in my opinion, we're ahead of schedule. We got seven wins. Uh, if we, I thought six was the max. We're at seven chance to go to eight and beat a good Iowa State team next week. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we got a victory tonight. Yeah, exactly. And really, the story of the first half was Kansas State's defense, Brian. Man, they were yes. really, really good in that first half. And I think the player of the game on the defensive side of the ball might just be Daquan Patton. I know uh, Wyatt Hubert had a couple 
big sacks, and we'll get to those in a little bit. But Daquan Patton had 10 tackles total in the game, and, of course, it started with this, a huge takeaway. Uh, man, Jet Duffy for the uh, Red Raiders don't, doesn't throw many picks, but he threw two in this game, starting with this play from Daquan Patton. There's the snap to him. Wanted to swing into the right. Now he fires far side. It's picked off. This is Daquan at the 30. Patton's got it, and now he loses the ball. And falling on it is the Wildcats. I believe it was Toolsby, and K-State will have the football here. You know, it's funny. When he picked that ball and started to return it, I'm like, he does not see that receiver to his left. He's no. looking upfield. He has no idea he's about to get popped from that side. And sure enough, the ball came out, and Denzel Goolsby hopped on it. We've seen this story before before with a turnover. I think it was at Mississippi State where they got the pick and then fumbled it right back. But right. that defense was just huge in the first half. I They just absolutely confused Jet Duffy. They took away the running game. They didn't let him pass much. The problem was the flip side. The offense only scored six points. We had a dropped uh, we saw a dropped uh, pass in the end zone for a touchdown. Really just poor technique by Waikin Gill and they end up going to the halftime locker room at 6-3 to three. When Blake Lynch uncharacteristically misses a field goal on the last play of the half. But you went to halftime with those disappointments and still thought you're leading in half and you get the ball to start the second half. Despite all the problems in the first half, you had to feel pretty good about things. Yeah, it felt really good. Um, like I said, offense. Is that they were moving the ball. They just couldn't score. Like we said, they, they shot themselves in the foot. Uh, so they were moving it a little bit better than what the score indicated. But the defense was absolutely lights out. Absolutely lights out. And you could see it. Guys running around. Guys were where they were supposed to be. You know, and, and that's all. It just comes back to just, just playing hard. When you can play hard, that's the beginning. Right. When you can play fast and then you know where you're going and all that, that's the next step. And it, it just looks like the guys got back to doing that, got back to running around, making good plays. The first half for on defensive side was a thing of beauty. I thought. I thought, uh, and I know Texas Tech's not an offensive juggernaut, so I'm not here to say that. But you know what? Neither was West Virginia. And that didn't turn out too well. So I just think the guys, they, they came out with a sense of urgency on both sides of the ball. Uh, again, it wasn't a clean game, uh, especially the first half. wasn't a clean half, but the defense played lights out. Offense, you know, sputtered, but we were ahead. Um, I thought it was important that we were ahead. I thought we were going to get some points at the end of the first half, but you know, it happens. Hey, you know, it happens. So overall, the first half was a, was a good half for K-State. It was. And a reminder that we are sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Caddyshack Golf, where Caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing, Willie apparel, accessories, and more. Use the code GPC for free shipping on your next order. And we have a Caddyshack Golf Question of the Week in our second half as we open it up to questions from Wabash Station. Some very good questions about this game, about this team from our well-educated users at Wabash Station, our subscribers. Here's another really nice defensive play from that first half. 
from the right hash, the Red Raiders. Wearing all black tonight. There's a swing pass. Sir Roderick has it, and he is knocked down. What a play by Elijah Sullivan. They were swarming in that first half. They were just everywhere. They would show him something pre-snap and bail out of it, and he was just Jet Duffy. And, And to Jet Duffy's credit, I think he escaped about three sacks that he should have been pulled down in the first half. Somehow, like a split second before the guy can wrap him up, his alarm clock clock would go off and he'd flee the pocket and get away from someone. He's slippery, but, man, K-State got it to him just enough to really frustrate him in that first half. Yeah, yeah, K-State, they, they did a really good job of tackling, you know, um, that was the key. Second half, not so much. First half, we did a real good job running to the football and actually getting guys, especially the quarterback, to the ground. That was the important thing. Uh, just coming out and, like I said, playing fast, being where they were supposed to be, it was a really good sign to see. One of the few offensive highlights in that first half for K-State was a nice catch and for Keen Gill from Skyler Thompson. Let's listen to that real quick. Thompson barks out the signals. There's the snap. It's a good one. He looks left and throws that way and has his man at midfield. Down the sideline, 40, 35. This is Gill to the 30. Inside of the numbers, he goes to the 20. Still on his feet to the 15 and down to the 12-yard line. They'll mark him at the 13. Welcome back, Joaquin Gill. What a play for the Cats. After missing a game with a concussion, Joaquin Gill made his presence felt. Unfortunately, he did drop a touchdown pass. But I think Skylar Thompson at times in this game threw the ball really well. The stats didn't show it, and sometimes I wasn't real happy with his decision-making when the play didn't develop. I thought he he just looked past some open receivers in scramble mode and and uh, also kind of turned. He has a tendency to evade the pass rush right into the pass rush and and yep. and I think it's it's just an annoying habit I I hope he can break by the end of next season by the time his college career's out he knows you got to go up in that pocket not yep. around the edge where the guys get you as an old offensive line that's got to drive you the offensive lineman you, that's got to drive you batty Oh, yeah. Drives you absolutely nuts, especially the tackles, because the tackles job is to push guys by, you know, when guys are looping around. It's literally their job to push guys past where you're going to be set up. And if you are backing up and running into it, I mean, there's nothing that they can do. You know, they're just they're sitting there like, hey, the pocket is meant for you to step up. And hopefully it's kind of what you said. And I mentioned that last week, you know, his tendency to always run right, run right. And there was a couple of times that he did just that. And it almost seemed like Tech knew it. And he was having to run way back just to get around to go right. And I'm like, buddy, you got to step up. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, they he did play a decent game. You know, I, I know the stats may not have been the greatest. And there, he made some mistakes. But uh, it was a solid, solid game by Skyler and one that we needed. Uh, and he don't get me wrong. He also had some guys let him down, too. There were two touchdown passes that got dropped. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he there was a couple times he put the ball right on the money, right where you're supposed to put it. Guys dropping touchdown passes. So, um, but he missed a couple. So, but that's okay. You know, he's he, again, he had to get his confidence back because, again, last week was not a good one. So uh, good to see him bounce back. Offensive line bounce back. 
teams have decided, K-State, you're not going to run the ball. Teams have just literally decided that. They're not going to run it. But we ran it enough to keep them honest. And you still have to run it. Even when team, you can't just throw it 70 times. You got to run the ball a little bit. And we did. It wasn't super effective. But it was enough. It was enough to, to move the football a little bit to keep them honest. So uh, I, I thought it was a solid effort on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree. They had a lot, lot of lost yardage in the running game. Another disappointing factor, they have been getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage quite a bit, 36 total in that. 126 net yards on the ground on 37 carries. They only averaged 3.4 a carry, but believe it or not, that was an improvement over last week. Uh, so, you know, there were some signs of life, and when the game was on the line, they got it done, as I mentioned a little bit ago. They yep. got a couple first downs running the ball and it was absolutely enormous but one thing that uh chris Kleiman shares with bill snyder is he wants to defer i don't know if k-state lost the toss and tech took the ball or k-state won and deferred but he wants that ball to start the second half and they missed their opportunity to finish the first half with points and then get the ball back in the second half which is you know the dream scenario if you can score right before halftime and get the ball back and score it's kind of almost like a knockout punch in a lot of games they missed yep. in the first half missed that field goal and dropped a touchdown pass at the end and they got the ball back and boy they went operating right down the field. It was an impressive drive for K-State as uh, they ended up with a touchdown from Skylar Thompson to Phillip Brooks, and they covered 75 yards on nine plays. Here's that touchdown to Brooks. Cats need the eight-yard line. They're at the 14. Right hash mark. There's the snap. Skyler back to throw. He fires into the middle, and it's caught by Brooks. He's at the five. Breaks a tackle. Wildcat touchdown. Phillip Brooks is in from 14 yards away, and K-State scores on a third and eight. The game's first touchdown to make it 12-3. to three. You know what's funny about that, Brian, is – you know, that's huge for Kansas State. All of a sudden, you know, they've got the two-score lead. They get it up to 13-3. to three. But I felt like even Tech relaxed. Like, oh, yep. we can score touchdowns in this game. And then all hell broke loose. After going 6-3 to three in the first half, they both scored 24 points in the second half. And it turned into the shootout that you don't want to get into with the Red Raiders. New coaching staff, same mentality. They love to go fast and score points. When that shootout developed, I don't know about you, but I got a little bit worried. K-State was not playing its game, and this really favored the Red Raiders. Yeah, I did too. It was one of those where you thought, okay, K-State, if you can just control the ball. And it, it was. I mean, for the most part, we did, but you know, we got into, like I said, the shootout and just trading scores, and it, it just it didn't have the feel of a game that we were going to pull out at the end, but we just kept scoring. So we kept scoring and it was like, okay, we need this little cushion that we have because apparently they, I mean, it was like both teams got got it figured out and neither defense was going to be able to stop the other one. So it was just one of those get into a shootout, move it up and down the field. Uh, I didn't feel easy about it. I was the same way, Tim. I did not feel good about it. But at the same time, uh, as an offense, we kept scoring. So that's all you can ask. And it was key to have that 10-point cushion. I think that meant everything 
you know, with everything versus having a tie game or, you know, them come down and tying the game up. We had the 10 point cushion, which I believe psychologically made a difference. Tech responded, though, man. They went 12 plays and 75 yards on, yep. on the next possession. And that's a credit to the defense. They made them earn it. 12 plays is not what Texas Tech wants to do, typically. They want to get down the field faster. Uh, and that proved to be huge. I mean, I know they gave up the touchdown, but anytime you can get into the, the game of making them eat some clock, you're doing what you need to do. That's in favor of you if you're forcing the clock to expire. And then Tech had to kick off, and they made a mistake. I, I tell you what, it's hard to find – really electric guys that can play as a true freshman. And for this coaching staff to come in so late in the game and identify Joshua Youngblood out of Tampa as a late signee, he was still available in the marketplace amazingly with an early signing period nowadays. And to find a guy like this that they can bring in, I think is really promising for future recruiting classes. They seem to know what they want. And if this is what they get out of a short recruiting effort, picking up the pieces as a new staff. I'm really encouraged, and I want to see what happens over the next couple of years. Let me get your thoughts on this after I play the uh, the call by Wyatt Thompson. Here is the kickoff return from Joshua Youngblood. Man, it was thing of beauty. Here is the kick, high kick, deep kick, right about a yard or so in. Here comes Youngblood. He's going to take it out. He can run. He's at the 15, got a block. He's at the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 to midfield, beats another block. He's at the 40, he's at the 30, right on the sideline, 20 to the 10, 5, Wildcat touchdown, Wildcat touchdown, he took it all the way. Unbelievable for Youngblood. That was as good a reading a block as I've seen a K-State returner do. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett was pretty good at it. Um, Jordy Nelson was pretty good at it on returns. David Allen was the best at it. He could just read blocks, but he was so patient on that return. I can't even remember who was engaged there, maybe Elder along the boundary. And he just let that, he read that block a couple times before he got around it. Man, it was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, uh, and he's a freshman. You know, he's only going to get better. He's only going to get bigger. I mean, you can look at him until he's a freshman. He's a little kid. And you know, as far as size is concerned, I mean, he's a little out there. Uh, but he's super fast. And, you know, athleticism can make a difference. And it's kind of what you said, Tim. If the coaching staff can identify this, because this is what built K-State is identifying guys from other areas that, you know, outlining areas that other teams either miss on or pass on that turn out to be players. And K-State identified them, brought them in, and there's Katie bar the door. Uh, one of them was uh, my roommate, uh, was Darren Howard yeah. from Florida. You know, he was a three-star kid out of Florida, you know, that – he was super skinny. He was tall and super skinny, and he was built for a def to play defensive end. But he played linebacker in, in high school, and that teams wanted him to play linebacker and this and that. You know, he was 185 pounds. I mean, you're not going to do that in Division One football, uh, playing middle linebacker at 185 pounds. And if K-State's going to be able to do that 
and bring guys in like that and identify them, I feel extremely good about where we're going. So I, I like this direction uh, as far as what the coaching staff can do. Uh, it's, it's encouraging, you know, uh, not to harp on what things were previously, but it's a very encouraging. But uh, he can play. You know, and that was outstanding to watch him run. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, it looked like he'd been doing it his whole life. Yeah. He just, and he kind of set it up and he's like, yep, you're right there, but my blocker's there. And the way he tiptoed, I thought for sure he was going to step out of bounds. And he did not. And so I thought it was a thing of beauty. So uh, very encouraged by him. He's very, very impressive young freshman. I love that he's out there playing too, because that's not, we didn't always see that. Under Coach Snyder, freshman out there, you know, true freshman out there playing. So yeah. it was a good thing to see, and we yeah. need him. Yeah. We need him. We need that athleticism. Because uh, it looks like Malik Knowles might be done for the year. I don't know. He yeah. injured his shoulder, arm, um, collarbone, somewhere on that right side. I, I thought he broke his arm, and then everyone pointed out to me, hey, dumbass, that's his left arm. I'm like, okay, I'm not very smart. I'm going to shut down Twitter now because I I can't tell (laughs) left from right. But, uh, yeah, it didn't look good. He went down on a beautiful run where he had jet sweep, where he picked up some serious yardage. Uh, So they might have to rely on young blood even more. But I tell you what, they finally found something from Sebastian Taylor, the big, strong receiver who has struggled with nuances of the game like not jumping off sides and, uh, you know, with a false start and lining up right and those nuances was pushed into duty tonight and he really showed through for the Cats. And uh, Skylar Thompson started looking downfield and really the only answer Texas Tech I had on the defense towards the end of the game was interference. They were just grabbing a hold of guys because they were so dumbfounded in pass coverage. But when K-State really, really needed a play, they found Sebastian Taylor, and this was in the fourth quarter with a 48-yard pass. He was wide open. He was so wide open, I was afraid he wasn't going to catch his ball. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here is Sebastian Taylor on a great ball from Skylar Thompson. Thompson, plenty of protection. Now it breaks down. He throws it deep, has his man at the 10. This is Taylor. Touchdown, Kansas State. Sebastian Taylor scores. I see no flags. The Wildcats score a touchdown and lead 29-20. to Our thanks to Learfield IMG, the Kansas State Sports Network, for letting us use the calls from Wyatt Thompson. They always add a lot to the show. Wyatt had a good game, I think. He he was on his money. That that press box, it's not easy at the press box. I didn't love it because it is way up there. It's kind of hard to see what's going on. Uh, But uh, it was an exciting game to call. And I tell you what, Brian Hanley, as we go to a break here, this is huge. This that two game losing streak felt more what's the word I'm looking for? It felt like it had more weight to it than the first two game losing streak. Even though both of these games are competitive and those games are kind of blowouts to Oklahoma State and Baylor. And these losses to Texas and West Virginia felt troubling. Like they, they just kind of had run out of gas. So to go on the road and do this, I think is refreshing to the teams and honestly the fan base. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I feel like the difference is, is that while Oklahoma State has lost a few games and Baylor is really, really good uh, that it's, it turned out to be, I think K-State, those guys were better than we were, which is okay, but they were better than we were. The last two games, I don't believe the teams were better than K-State. That's why it felt bad, uh, you know, because we had Texas on the ropes. 
and we couldn't put them away. And even though they came back and jumped on us, I, that was a game that K-State should have won. Last week, I don't want to keep harping. We all know we should have won that football game, and we are a better football team than West Virginia. Uh, although they are playing better, and they played Oklahoma State tough today. Uh, that was still minus a quarterback and, you know, uh, a receiver that's not there anymore. But, you know, at the same time, that's why it felt bad, at least in my eyes. And yeah. I think a lot of people, the people that I talked to, it felt bad because – we're better than those teams and we lost, Yeah, you know, and that's where the bad feeling comes in. And it feels like, Oh, okay. They, the ship's going the opposite direction. The, the numbers are starting to catch up to us. We're beat down. We're wore out. Uh, but to come back into fight and get a win on the road like this. Um, and there were times in this game where I thought the same thing. I'm like, man, the guys just look beat up, Yep. you know, and, and they are, I mean, let's call it what it is. They are beat up, but, but they fought. And that's what just, if they didn't do last week. And I know I keep harping on that and I apologize, but that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the guys fight and compete. And they did that and won. And they didn't take their foot off, not necessarily the gas that we had this game, you know, blown out, but they said, you know what, especially on offense, they said, no, we're going to win the game. We're going to keep going. We're not going to allow this team to come and beat us. And that's all that you can ask for is for the guys to give that kind of effort and refuse to lose a football game. And they did that tonight. I agree. It was very encouraging. And and oddly, I, st I feel even worse about that loss last week after watching Oklahoma State go into Morgantown and win with a greatly depleted offense, and they still found a yes. way to win. Uh, that yep. game, you know, knowing that you could be at eight wins right now is a little frustrating, but at least they're at seven. And one of the things I asked Chris Kleiman about uh, earlier this week was – and it wasn't frustrating wasn't the word I used, but does it feel like he can't quite make that final play to get the win? And he, he admitted, yeah, that they just that the other team has been making that big play. They got the interception in West Virginia. Texas put together the drive and field goal. It was them doing it. And if there was, there was a lot of key plays in this game. But if there was one play that got Casey over the hump, it was this one. Tech drove the field. It looked like the Red Raiders were going to put another touchdown up. But Denzel Goolsby read a play perfectly. And as we go to break, we'll let Wyatt Thompson call this interception by Denzel Goolsby. There's the snap. Play fake. Duffy wants to throw. Winds up. Fires deep. And it's intercepted in the end zone. Kansas State picks it off. It's Goolsby. Denzel Goolsby with a pick. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. It's Caddy with two Ts. Get that right, because you'll never find them without it. For K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories, Caddyshack Golfware, Caddy with two Ts. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com. Use the code GPC for free shipping on your next order, and we will have a Caddyshack Golf question of the week in this segment as we get to some questions from Wabash Station. Tim Fitzgerald in the WTC Gig Parrot Studios, joined by Brian Hanley, one of our football analysts on the phone from his home in Texas. Ah, Brian, it's a lot more fun to talk about wins and losses. It really yeah, is. It, is. it really is. And it's funny. We can look at our podcast traffic, and it, it drops. Every time KCA loses, it drops about 20%. And then they win, and it goes back up. It goes even it goes even back up higher, and then it drops 22. And then it goes back up higher. It's just hysterical. K-State fans don't want to hear about the losses as much. Nobody does. Uh, but there's still some issues with this team and some great questions from Wabash Station as Kansas State beats Texas Tech 30-27 to on the road tonight in Lubbock, Texas. Um, man, it's kind of funny. The, the list attendance is 5,011. I think they left a digit off here, 50,000 on hand uh, at, at Jones AT&T Stadium, a great venue, a hostile venue, maybe the the meanest venue in the Big 12. They don't lose much at home at night, my friend. They just don't. They When no. they play at uh, home at night, they win like 75% of their game. So this was a really nice win for K-State. Let's look at some of the stats here real quick. Skylar Thompson was only 14-28 in this game. I, I think that's a little bit disappointing um, in the fact that you want to see that number a little higher. I thought he made some uh, – Different decisions than I would wanted him to make as he scrambled around tonight. But he did have two TDs, one interception on an underthrown ball late there. But he ended up with 246 yards. He's beginning to rack up some decent passing numbers, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it wasn't his best game, but it wasn't his worst game. And it was better that, that you know, he made some some throws. Like I said, he got he let himself down with making some bad throws, but he also made some good throws and had some key drops. I mean, two touchdowns were dropped so in the first half. So I think he played, you know, an okay game. Um, you definitely want to see the percentage get up there a little bit. Uh, not, not just a little bit. I mean, you need to see it at 60, 65%. That's what you want. Uh, and he's got to get there. And for the most part, he has been throughout the season, but uh, tonight was a step back in that capacity, but I don't think it was a step back in his play. I thought he did well. Um, we're not going to be able to run the quarterback, and, and I, a testament to the coaches, they didn't try to run him a whole lot, because again, teams have decided you're not running the football, and that means the quarterback's not going to be able to run it either. Uh, and so, they just they're not going to beat their head against that trying to do that, running the quarterback, running the quarterback yeah. when teams are not going to let you. I mean, there's no reason to get your quarterback beat up doing that. So, uh, again, a testament to the coaching staff. But I, I thought Skyler did fine. I thought he did fine. Um, one of the things that I did see, and you see that from time to time, was the leadership role. You know, uh, you can only see so much as far as on TV, what they show. But you saw that. You saw the leadership last week. You didn't see that. 
So, uh, again, testament to him to, to taking that leadership role to another level. Uh, like I said, there's only so much that you can see on TV, but the things that you can see, he didn't do that last week, and this week he did. So uh, very, very good to see that part from from. Him. You know, last week I looked at those game stats, and outside of those two turnovers, the Skylar Thompson interceptions, the stats felt like Kansas State won the game. Well, right. the stats lied again in this game because – it looks like Texas Tech won this game. They outgained Kansas State 498 to 362. So as much as we talk about that defense, they bend, but they didn't break as much as you would think with that kind of yardage. Tech actually ran the ball better, 144 yards on just 31 carries. K-State was 126 for 37. Uh, Jet Duffy threw for 354. Um, it just It's just kind of amazing as you go through the stats, but there's the turnovers, 2-1. to one. I'm looking for time of possession, and of course, this, these stats don't have it. Um, just a crucial stat for K-State, but they don't have it. I'm encouraged. They just This time, they found the way to, to grind it out and win. And let's get to some questions from Wabash Station now, some really good stuff. And let's get right to it. You are an offensive lineman, and that doesn't change. Even though you're older now, you're still an right. offensive lineman. If called yeah. upon to go play a little football, you say, I got this. Yo Mama right. wants to know what is the problem right now with the offensive line? Um, I don't know that it's necessarily all the offensive line. True. Um, because it, one thing is, and there's two aspects of it the run game. If they've got enough guys up there, you don't have enough guys to block them. So that's the first part. But that also can be true in the passing game if they're blitzing guys. If they blitz one more than what you have, because remember, you have to account. There's nobody that the quarterback is going to account for. His job is just, if they bring more, is just to throw it before he gets hit. So in, in the run game, there isn't anything. that How you offset that is by running the quarterback. Well, the coaching staff's not going to just do that. And I think it's a good job to not just do that. I don't know that the offensive line is necessarily a problem, but when there's eight guys up there, you don't have enough guys to block them. And K-State is, has gotten really predictable. Now, in the first half, we did a good job of not just always running the ball on first down, which we had gotten into that mode the last two games. First down, we're running the football. Well, they didn't do that so much in this game. They got away from that tendency, which I count as a liability, because if you're constantly running the football on first down and behind the sticks, you're putting yourself on the eight ball. But they didn't do a whole lot of that in the first half, especially. They threw it a lot on first down. So you got to give your guys a chance. But teams have just said, like I mentioned in the first half uh, of the post-game podcast, is that they're not going to allow K-State to run the football. Teams have just decided, yeah. we're going to make you throw it. And we're going to make Skylar beat, beat us. And I think he's doing a good job with that. But the line... I'm not saying they're great. I'm not saying that at all. Um, I don't know that we necessarily have the NFL guys that we've had before, and I think that's one thing that, that people have to realize. I mean, we've had some really good offensive linemen as of late that aren't there now, so they make us look better. When you have NFL guys – top-tier draft pick NFL guys, your 
offensive line is going to be better. It's going to look better, you know, and we don't have that necessarily this year. Not that the guys aren't good. I'm not even saying that we don't have anybody that can play. I'm just saying, you know, with Cody White here and Dalton Shane, I mean, those guys were big-time offensive linemen. We just don't have that this year. I think people need to understand that and not think that, hey, we're not they're off the line, there's a problem, or they're not any good. Teams are taking the runaway. They're bringing more people than what we can block in the passing game. It's just a learning experience, and we're just, you know, we're, we're, we'll have to get better. And I think the guys are doing a good job, but who knows? You also look at them. They don't really do a lot of rotations. The guys could also be beat up. Yeah. You know, so that that's another aspect that, that you don't necessarily see as a fan is that this is all we got. This is the best that we've got. And the guys may be beat up and that happens, you know, and when you don't have the numbers and you don't have the depth, you can't rotate. Not that you do a lot of rotating on the offensive line anyway, because you don't necessarily want to do that. But if the guys are beat up and they're out there at 70 percent, well, you know, you're not going to get as good a play. A couple of observations that I thought were really interesting from where this staff started with this offensive line to where they are right now. Number one, they made it very clear, Connor Riley, the offensive line coach, that he wanted seven, eight, nine guys to rotate on the offensive line. So I yeah. think what they're doing right now with really only six guys, Josh Rivas is about the only guy coming in off the bench, and he's just coming in for for a curl at one of the guard spots. The other four guys don't leave the field. I think that tells you they're not real happy with the depth they have at offensive line, that nobody's really step, stepped up. Yeah, I mean, you don't always want to – to rotate a ton of guys on the offensive line. That's just not what you see. But you also want to be able to get some guys a rest, you know, especially if guys get beat up. Because believe it or not, offensive linemen get beat up. And, you know, we're sitting here at 11 games in, guys are beat up. I mean, it's football. It's just plain and simple. They may be out there playing, but guys are still beat up. Uh, and, they just that just what you said. They're not happy with the depth. You can't rotate a guy in or out because they don't necessarily either the guys don't know or they don't believe in what's behind them. So this is what we've got right now. It's not the most athletic offensive line, uh, which we've had some some better offensive line, more athletic offensive lines in the past. And I believe that that's what this coaching staff wants is that they want athletic guys, big athletic guys. We don't have that right now. So uh, it's just, we just got to be patient. We just got to be patient and wait for them to get those guys in. You nailed it. That was my second point I wanted to make was one of the things we noticed about this offensive line when we started talking to them uh, in spring and then we saw them, you know, early in this when fall camp was opening, they had taken some weight off of them. They, the, a lot of the yeah. bellies were gone. They leaned them down a little bit. Uh, they said that their muscle mass was up. Their weight really didn't move. They just felt like they, they got some of that fat off of them. And that told me they expect better athletes than maybe what they had right now and they were trying to make the best of what they have but they want really mobile athletes up there um, and I think we are going to see a little bit of change in how they recruit offensive linemen going forward because they want some guys that can really get out and move and I think I've noticed sometimes they're not getting to their points where the blocks are expected to be made maybe that asks a lot of an offensive line but that's the system they run and you got to be able to get around and, and get it done yep yeah, you see some of the things that they do. Um, you know, 
not blocking a defensive tackle and expecting somebody to come down and trap block them, even on pass plays and, you know, pulling around. Uh, I've seen him run outside his own play to the right. The backside guard takes a step back. He blocks the backside end that's slanted down, and a running back is literally running into that hole that's right there, that natural hole. Uh, I saw that earlier in the season. I haven't seen that so much lately, but that takes some very some athletic things to do. And if guys are beat up, they're not going to be able to do that. So we run a very sophisticated blocking scheme on a lot of our run plays. And I just believe you're, you're 100% correct, Tim, is that they want to have – it's not that you can't be big. They just want you to be athletic, right. and so they're going to be. They're that's what they're they're going to be recruiting big guys that can move uh, all across the board. Doesn't matter what position you're going to play. They want guys that are big. I mean, and that's what NFL guys are. The NFL guys are big, but they can move around, right. and that's exactly what they want. So exactly. uh, I, I feel this is just moving forward. Uh, and we had those guys before. So it's not like K-State didn't have those guys before. We had those guys before, you know, that were big, that, could, that were athletic, that could move around, and look where those guys got drafted. They got drafted that high for a reason. And they're playing in the NFL that way for a reason. So we'll get back to that. It's going to take some time to get there. All right. It is going to take some time. I hadn't intended it to be the question of the week for our Caddyshack Golf Gift Certificate, but I, I feel like your mama deserves it after uh, getting a good, what, 10 minutes of answer out of us from his question. So, your mama, you got the Caddyshack Golf Question of the Week. I'll be notifying you uh, about how to get that gift gift certificate from our friends at Caddyshack Golf. Let's move on now. Mountain Joe, how nice was it to see Sebastian Taylor get targeted several times tonight? I'm telling you what, Brian, he's been a point of frustration, but if Malik Knowles is injured again, he might answer a big question mark for this offense. If he can really emerge as a go-to guy on the outside that could really help the offense because he's big and he's fast and he makes a hard matchup yep absolutely um it's frustrating to see Knowles injured and I know nobody's more frustrated than him with that um but you're right you're gonna we're gonna need him to step up if Knowles is gonna be out so uh and he's big and fast but it, that transition, man, that transition to big-time football isn't always – some guys can make it seamless, and some guys it can be difficult. Yeah. So that's where the difference is. And so – and sometimes it takes one year, it takes two years, it takes three years, whatever it is. But, you know, that transition to big-time football isn't always the easiest transition. So – it's good. And that just looked like that he was lost earlier in the year. Like he didn't know how to play football. It, it literally looked like that. Lining up in the wrong spots, jumping off sides as a receiver. I mean, you're looking at the football. So <laughs> jumping off sides, I mean, that's I'm like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? You don't even stick around to listen to what the snap count is because when you're in the huddle, because you don't need to know because you're looking at the football. So uh, it's just one of those things. But it was good to see him get targeted. Uh, and I believe because coaching staff knows that he's clearly talented. And that's the thing. He said, but if you don't know what you're doing, you can't be out there. I know guys used to criticize Coach Snyder about that all the time, about guys being athletic and, you know, they, this, they're, they're big and fast. But if you don't 
don't know what you're doing, you cannot be on a football field. You know, believe it or not, I know the stereotype is football players are big, athletic, dumb guys. No, they're not. You, know, you look at a, a playbook, a college playbook. You can't st- to, to know that and look at it, and you can't be stupid and, and understand that. That's just impossible. So you got to know what you're doing and where you're going, and that's the first thing. Because first of all, you can't play fast if you don't know what you're doing. No, you so can't. you know. So it's good to see that that there that looks like a little bit of a light has gone off. So. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see it. We're going to need it, though. Right. You're right. We're absolutely going to need it. I loved it. I think it was last week when Sebastian came in, got a false start, and came out. Without ever the ball being snapped, it's yep. like, <laughs> that's, that's not a good sequence for you, young man. So no. it's really good to see him get out there and really make something happen. Uh, and you, you brought this up, so let's move on to Beefy Panda, which is, by the way, a great nickname for either one of us on the website. <laughs> Beefy Panda asked this, what can be done to clean up these penalties? That was something else Coach Snyder was really hard on if you had penalties you paid a price and I don't want to make it sound like Chris Kleiman is such a players coach they didn't punish guys because I know he emphasizes this but what can they do to clean up these penalties because they're getting to be a little bit silly the 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 15 yarders just are like what are you doing stop this well and, I mean the young blood dancing in the end zone I mean, I saw it when it happened, and it wasn't so much that big. I mean, you can't do that in college football. He knows that. I know. You couldn't do it in high school football. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And when you see those kinds of penalties, it's like, okay, first of all, it's a lack of discipline. You know, so we can say whatever we want and defend coach in whatever manner that we want to try to defend him. But the bottom line is that is a lack of discipline and that has to be coached. You know, I'm not beating up on the coaching staff. I'm not saying anything that most fans don't already know. It's a lack of discipline and that has to be coached. You can coach discipline. You absolutely can do that. You know, playing time punishment those are things that get people's attention you got to be able to do that now it becomes difficult when you don't have the numbers and when you're trying to win football games i get that and right now we're in a mode where the numbers aren't necessarily there and we are still trying to win football games so that's part of it so you got to give the coaching staff a break when it comes to that but these penalties are just ridiculous i mean the celebration penalties are mind-numbing because literally you can do all the dancing and all the things that you want to do five seconds later on the sideline. You can do it all and nobody cares. Yep. But you just can't do it. I'm just it just gets on my nerves. I don't understand it. There was nobody crazier than Michael Bishop when it came to that kind of stuff. Or better yet, there was nobody crazier when it came to that kind of stuff than Darnell McDonald. (laughs) Absolutely nobody on earth. He wanted to party and dance after every catch, much less every (laughs) touchdown. But he did it on the sideline. He did it on the sideline. So, you know, and we all took part in it and we loved it. So it was just, and this is just getting ridiculous, you know, and I just, oh, in the false starts, 
in the red zone. I'm like, oh no. my goodness. It's just they're drive killers. And they make you kick field goals when you should be scoring touchdowns. And that's how you lose football games. And everybody knows that. When you settle for field goals, that's how you lose. It's literally how you lose. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's hard for the coaching staff. So I don't want to, to beat them up too bad because what I mentioned before, they're trying to win and balance that with discipline. Because the one thing that you can do is, like you said, playing time. But you can't bench everybody. So, and it's just, and the offensive linemen are crushing us with these pre-snap penalties. Yeah. I mean, jumping off sides. I mean, it was two in a row. It was almost like they were going down the line of scrimmage on, you know, from left to right. My turn. Like, Christmas. Yeah. So, I bad. tell you, that was good. I tell you, drop the mic, but it's your phone, so hang on to it. I don't want to. <laughs> I need you for a couple more questions here. Um, let's uh, let's kind of step out of order here. I want to get back to. I've got a, one more that I want to finish up with, but before that, B sits wants to know this. Well, love to hear the breakdown of that last Tech TD in the fourth quarter. What did the D do wrong? It looked to me like Lance Robinson. Um, Jonathan Durham was out this game. He's the backup nickelback. So McPherson was the main guy. And he went out on the snap before. And Robinson had been playing corner and doing a pretty damn good job as kind of the fifth corner on this team. He got pushed into duty and he had a couple of really nice breakups, including a touchdown that he saved. Um, and, and it looked like Robinson got thrown in at nickelback, which – uh, he's the third guy there, but they went after him. And, boy, he yeah. he he had his shoulders turned the wrong way. He lost sight of the receiver. It just wasn't pretty. Um, so I, I'm just going to say, Tech, you won that one. Uh, and I think Lance Robinson learned from that. Yeah, I mean, it just looked like he just didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, let's just, call, let's just call it what it is. It didn't look like that he really even expected to play. Um, this is one of those numbers games where we had a guy that was out on the field that shouldn't have been out on the field. Right. So, uh, you know, that's just my opinion. It might be the wrong opinion, but I don't believe that it is. Uh, he just didn't look like he knew what he was doing and was out of position and just wasn't ready to be out on the football field, but we had to put him out there. Right. So, um, that, that's all that was. Uh, I just, I mean, we can sugarcoat it and, Whatever we want to do, but that's just, in my opinion, that's literally what it looked like. When you get down to your third-string guy at any position and they get thrown into the fire, I mean, it's not like you got your third-string guy and you know it during prep week and they get to work and work and work. I don't know how many snaps he's been taking at nickel, but I imagine he's been focusing at corner. With A.J. Parker down, they've been worried about that. Walter Neal goes down early in this game, didn't come back. Hopefully that's not bad. And then Durham's out, and then McPherson goes down, and now we're talking about four injuries in the secondary uh you're just kind of running out of guys and they i saw climbing talking to robinson and i know what he's saying you got this and you know of course kids couldn't say yeah and then he didn't have, right he didn't have bless his yeah. heart he did play really well at corner i think he showed something he's a competitor uh, i think the corners have been so much better this year than in recent years and, and it's all the same guys it's that's what's yeah. funny. Um, it, yeah, it, it, Van Malone. I, just, I think K State just want to hug you because you brought back good cornerback play, which has been a real frustration at times for fans. Well, let's get this yeah. thing wrapped up here with this question from GC KSU Rules: How much are injuries affecting this team? A ton. I, I mean, a ton. 
I mean, every football team goes through attrition. Um, football is a game where bones break, ligaments tear. Uh, you have small tissue or soft tissue injuries. It just happens. That's the way that it works. You got to have the numbers, and that's what you see the big teams have. They got three and four deep. Now, I'm not talking about where you have to be, you know, Ohio State, where you got 74, Alabama, where you got 75, four and five star guys that you can just roll out there. You just have to have decent numbers of guys that can play at this level. That's where the difference is. So when you get the injuries and they start to mount, you know, this is 11 games in. You know, basically it's 12 weeks when you count the buys, or 13 when you count the buys. That's a lot of football that's been played because practice counts. And people don't realize, they think it's all just the games. Practice counts. Yeah. I mean, and you guys get hurt in practice too. So it's just a lot of football that's been out there. And we just, you know, we just don't have the numbers right now, the quality numbers at every position and injuries are, are an issue, and there's nothing anybody can do. Like I said, if injuries are going to happen with every football team and at every single level, every single year, till the end of time. That's just the way it works. How you can combat that is you have to have the eligible or able bodies that can compete at this level, and you have to have several at each position. We just don't have that. Yep. It's not, I mean, we haven't had that for a while. So, you know, but I think we're doing a better job of battling this year than what we have in previous years, you know, but injuries are, they're a problem, but you know, you can't use that as an excuse because injuries are a problem for every football team. That's true. But as you point out, next man up applies to no matter right. who the man is. And that man better be uh, a pretty good football player in and I'm not throwing anyone in particular into this heading, but they got to get more dudes on this team, whether it's yep. first stringers, second stringers, or in this case, we talk about third stringers. It's got to have more guys that can get out and play at the Big 12 level, and that's what dropped off under Coach Snyder, sadly, as the time went on, and, and that's just the way it is. It's just a sad reality. Well, we, we have been sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. That is Brian Hanley, our football analyst, former Kansas State offensive lineman on those incredible 97 and 98 wide Wildcat teams. He had to live with Darren Howard. Hey, by the way, how much did Darren Howard eat? Because he went from a little skinny guy that you looked at him and you went, huh, that's a defensive end, to uh, by the time he was senior, he was like 265, 270. And then at the end of the NFL, I think he made it to almost 300 playing defensive end. He must have well, been putting away so many calories. It was incredible. The thing that used to drive me insane is because I, on the other hand, was on the other end of the spectrum, if you can believe that or not. So I had to try to keep the same weight or lose weight, you know. Well, he is eating. I mean, we had two drawers that were full of candy bars at all times. I'm like, are you kidding? And I can't touch any of it. You know, That's there's wrong. Hershey's and Kit Kats and everything just everywhere all over the house, you know. And he ate all the time. I mean, literally ate all the time. And I'm just looking at him, just wanting to punch him in the face because he knew it. He'd, he'd be eating a Hershey bar right in front of me. And I'm like, dude, look. <laughs> so, yeah, he used to eat all, I mean, constantly. 
constantly was eating all the time. And sooner or later, the weight, it stayed on. That's a thing, though. You know, after practice, I mean, practices, especially under Coach Snyder, I mean, you're burning the calories. So had to constantly eat just for guys like him to keep weight on, just to, to maintain the weight that you had. So he was always eating. Yeah, I, that's you and I have the same story. It's like as a former Kansas State coach, Larry Kramer, an assistant coach, once said, you might want to try to mix in a salad. I try, coach. I do. I just I don't like salad yeah. as much. I don't like salad. Kansas State is 7-4 and four following tonight's 30-27 to 27 victory at Texas Tech. It was a very nice victory for a team that had just lost two in a row. And our thanks once again to Learfield IMG for providing us highlights from the Kansas State Sports Network and we will let Wyatt Thompson take us out with his final call. The game time has been set for next week. Kansas State will conclude its Big 12 season, its regular season at 6 p.m. against Iowa State. Bring a jacket, folks. It's going to be chilly probably by the time that game is over, but the Cats and Clones will tangle at 6 o'clock next Saturday. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. Brian, thank you very much, my friend. Good as always. And here we go. Thank you. Here is Wyatt Thompson with the final call of the game. They'll mark off the final 30 seconds, but your Wildcats have gone on the road and won in Lubbock again. K-State wins for the third time on the road this year. They win at 30-27. They are 7-4 with senior night coming up next week against Iowa State. You've been listening to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast presented by Caddyshack Golf. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.